Hello, everyone, and welcome back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast, pop culture dark and moody mm-hmm. cast mm-hmm. here in the studio celebrating the best TV shows of 2022. My name's Ernest. Oh, shit. I know this podcast was super cut. My name is Hunter. God damn! I did say that I wasn't going to yell this entire podcast, and I broke it like within seconds. But yeah, b- blowing we'll out see. the mic, having to make adjustments <laughs> on the fly. Uh, and Drew is also here. He is taking a little uh, little nippy nap on the side. Mm-hmm. He has a migraine. That's why we're dark. You know, he's twenty one pilots. I I I I've got a migraine. <laughs> I've got a migraine. Am I brain? Oh, yeah, there he is. Coming okay. in hot. Right. Coming in hot. Testing, testing. Oh. Drew. <laughs> Drew is committed to the art of podcasting, to the art of lists. I'm, list I'm shoving an ice pack through my eyeball right now. Drew doesn't want to, to tell well you this. He's actually watching every TV show that was released this past year at the same time yeah. at 1.25 speed in order mm-hmm. to catch up on everything. All on, so. my, on my phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with with Temple Run on the side. <laughs> and Family Guy clips. The way that, yeah, the way yeah, that Marty and that, that post is incredible. Quagmire's <laughs> epic clapback to Brian. Every time I see it, it's like different. He like adds another... <laughs> another piece to it it's, i think it's the same tiktok i think yeah zoomer, <laughs> zoomer brains are so much more powerful than we'll ever be they're gonna they're gonna solve the, all the, the things problems, they're able to process honest. as long as it's a lot of things that's um uh, <laughs> that's why uh drew has a migraine right now because mm-hmm. he can't comprehend the genius of gen z tiktok content creation it's just it's blowing our minds apart here we are talking about television Mm -hmm. they're beyond any type of television so that's why we're pivoting and this year we're doing our top 10 tiktok channels (laughs) um number one matt walsh (laughs) ben shapiro highlights Uh, there we go okay all right uh Number three, January 6th, Insurrection, three-minute clips. Oh, my God. With Temple Run. Yeah, with Temple Run playing. (laughs) It's uh, Better Call Saul, but it's Stewie doing all the voices. While on the tempo, like, the jokes land, like, as they're crushing the (laughs) glass of the Capitol. With the deuce, Walter. (laughs) All right. Welcome to the show. We're doing the top 10 TV shows of 2022. Uh, deep in Lissomania, we did um, albums with Danny last week, and yeah, we um we really um uh, appreciate Drew's commitment. Um, we love him, and this is Lamar why we're Jackson. In, take notes. This is why we're in dark mode right mm-hmm. now because two twenty up, twenty take notes. Two, <laughs> oh Demar Hamlin. No. <laughs> this is exactly the same. <laughs> This is exactly the same situation. Right? And I'm, I'm I'm right here. I'm going to have to resuscitate Drew in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> no, I have a DNR t- uh, tattoo. Anyway, um, if uh, I'm, I, th- I think I'm just going to sit out the first couple for the most part here. So if, if I mean, if I hear some, uh, I'm sure I'm going to hear a thing or two. That that I need skipped. I can't wait for us to blow past the first three in like a two and a half minutes, and then just gonna have you jump in here. Deal. But before we even get to the list, I 
Ernie, you watch the most TV out of all of us. A I, absolutely shameful amount. Yeah. No, you are the biggest TV boy out of us. I can proudly say that, that you watch more TV than just about anybody that I personally know. So Except what, maybe Dane. Dane, Dane does. Dane, Dane might be the one of friend of the pod, donor of the pod. Dane is, uh, well, Dane's the type of guy who like watches a show and is like, this sucks. I'm going to keep watching the season though. Right. I had to, I had to <laughs> embrace giving up on certain things this year. Not the old man. I hope I kind of did. I mean, I think I just Not slept the through man. the last couple eps of that. Uh, isn't that like what it's meant? It's yeah. what it's created for. Definitely. To definitely. be a nap show. I mean, there's some shows where, I, and I did this last year too, where I just, I watch them in the background. Like if I know I'm not fully committed to the story, I'm just like, you know what? Instead of just fully giving up on this, I'll just like not look at it half the time. Mm -hmm. It'll just be on and I'll get the gist of it <laughs> yeah. without having to have like my full attention on this. Um, a lot of the Disney plus slop falls into that bucket. Yeah. Your, your book of Boba Fett's your moon Knights, that yeah, kind of thing. That's fair. I mean, that's just kind of the thing of TV is that there is so much that is like, or I should say it feels like there's so few appointment viewing television shows, right? That so much of it is just shit that you can just throw on in the background and it, kind of is the same i'd say even something that's like more of a bigger hit and a show that i like but even something like stranger things kind of falls into that category where right. it's like this is pretty good oh man this episode's 97 minutes huh um well i have other shit to do so i'll just leave it on i'm just gonna leave it on i'm gonna <laughs> watch it but in. i'm also gonna fold laundry while exactly I'm doing. i have folding laundry shows none of them made my top 10 <laughs> but uh i will say i don't know if you felt this way but I think, especially looking at my list here, it's a pretty deep year, but I think that my top three, I think, are like three absolute pieces of like 10 out of 10 perfection, which is something that I can almost never say for television. Right. That like my top three, I'm so, I feel like either one of these could be pieces. number one in any year yeah. of the last like four or five years. I'll say that for probably my top five. And I feel like Man. three of those five are your three. We're going to have, yeah, we're going to have a little <laughs> bit. There's going to be a little bit overlap because I think that the best of the best shows are kind of clear. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a deep bench in that there's... So many shows, whether it is like something like Andor or Pachinko, um, which is a show that I haven't had a chance to get around to, Same. that are like that's like so the, many, um, that's my biggest that's the underground railroad of this year. <laughs> yeah, it's like the best show that I know I will love if I just give it the time that it deserves. Coconata slowly becoming like one of my guys. Um, but yeah, no, I just uh there's a lot of stuff that came out this year where it was like, oh, this is a thing. This yeah. is a big thing that's happening right now. i i enjoyed this year in tv a lot um you're totally right about it being um really top heavy which i think is very similar to uh movies this year which we'll get to next week where you have your kind of a very defined top tier uh almost like undisputable and then you know everything else just like kind of falls into that that second tier but even yeah. even looking at like my 11 through 20 I still love all these shows. Um, and I kind of, I kind of struggled, um, picking like, 
the 11 through 15, it was like, oh, these could have easily made the list, but you know, you just have to pick 10. Right. And then I just watched so many shows that even beyond the top 20, like there's still a lot that I liked that just falls outside of that. And then you start to get into the slop after that. (laughs) And then things that just straight up, I hated all the way down to Westworld, which was my least favorite show of the year. Man. Congratulations. Westworld isn't going to make the top 10. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. Remember that like three week stretch when you're like, guys, Westworld's good again. Get back in here. And then just like, the sad Sunday night message that you sent where you're like, yeah, Westworld sucks. Yeah, it might Westworld, actually be the worst. <laughs> Westworld's <laughs> actually worse than we all thought. And HBO is like, we agree. We're canceling the final season that we already dumped a hundred million dollars. Yeah. And into. we're actually removing it from HBO max. <laughs> you cannot watch that show on HBO max right now. That's so funny Yeah, that it, it bombed that bad. And honestly, the Abrams family deserves it. RIP. Um, and then, yeah, like I said earlier that I just, I I can't get to everything. Like there's there's things that I just I didn't get to. I'm still trying to figure out why and how Fleischman is in trouble. I I still don't know. All I that all that I know is that he's in trouble. Yeah. And I couldn't really tell you much of right, anything else. Right. I do know that he is in trouble. Okay. So how about we get to our top tens okay. of the year? Um we're gonna do this ten through one. Hopefully we don't have to split it into two episodes. We don't have Danny here to to add to the the, the chaos. There's less malt liquor involved this right. week than there was last week, so hopefully we Drew, can keep Drew has a concise. migraine and half his uh, list is just seasons of Shark Tank. Mm. I think maybe I'm still hungover from the malt liquor. Maybe oh, okay. that's the problem that Ernie is just cracked one open over here. Uh, so. Are we'll you, see. Are you saying I'm allowed to list seasons of Shark Tank on my list? Uh, you can list both seasons of Survivor independently of each other. So, <laughs> well, that changes things. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> so, uh, if you uh, have not tuned into a list of me before, the way we do this is we, if there's overlap, wait until the person that has it the highest brings it up. So. I am confident that there will be overlap with some of these, so we'll have to save that discussion for the person that has it the highest on the list. Last time, I went first. So how about you start us off, Hunter, with yeah. your number 10? Um, My number 10, we might have to wait on. And a motherfucking brick. It's uh, We Own the City. Nice. Drew, do you have this? Okay, yeah. Okay. So we'll this. we'll we'll wait on this one. Um, I this was one of the ones that was fighting for mm-hmm. that for that spot, and I ended up having to cut it. I have um, a lot of thoughts on this and why it's at ten and not necessarily higher on my list, but I, I will save those for whenever we get to it. Okay. My number ten is a little show called Irma Vep. Hell yeah! I'm on... so glad that this is you have been piloting the Irma Vep train. I have to ask you, have you watched the movie Irma Vet? No, I still haven't. <laughs> I still haven't. I will, though, because I love this show. Um, it's it's one of those shows that, like, it feels like it could only exist in this peak TV streaming era that we're in, where the creator, uh, Olivia Asais, is um, sort of doing a reevaluation, reexamination, retelling of his uh, 1996 or seven film, I believe, 
uh, Irma Vep, and it's insanely meta. Uh, it's it's a move. It's a show about a show being made about the movie Irma Vep. So it's about the actors that are making the show. Um, it stars Alicia Vikander and a bunch of like talent that I don't know that are now my favorite people, uh, particularly Vincent uh, Ma- Maxion. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, who appeared in White Noise at the end, the weird guy in the motel. Oh, that guy. Um, nice. Yeah. Okay, guy. And uh, this show is just, it's just one of those things where it's just like, it's insanely niche. It could only exist in this era. Uh, it, it would have never been made in any other time, only because like this is the time when studios are just pouring money into, you know, wild and crazy <laughs> ideas yeah. from auteur filmmakers. So I have to ask, and one, put some respect on Tom Sturridge of a uh, pirate radio fame, uh, who's also in this show. I don't know what his oh, wait. character's name is. Um, um, I got, I got the, I just mixed up these fucking European guys. So the guy that's in White Noise is Laws Edinger, and Vincent Maxion is the guy who plays the Olivia Asayas surrogate, the director. Okay. So it, is this like Kaufman esque, or like what exactly no. are they kind of going for here? No, with because this like Kaufman, meta- Kaufman likes to get very surreal. And this show has touches of surrealism, but they're very, very sparse. It's only, you know, you might get one scene per episode that gets weird. Um, the weirdness comes from how it incorporates the meta angle when it chooses to cut to the camera that's filming the show within the show. Um and then there's moments where it cuts to the original movie uh, that it was based on. It, it, there's this is this is almost like a Russian doll of mm-hmm. of stories because not only is uh, there a 1996 movie, um, there is also a 1915 movie called Le Vampire, and there's clips from that film also interspliced throughout the story. It's it's a it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Um, and I love it so much. <laughs> it has really great humor that's very niche, very, you know, kind of industry type humor where, you know, you will only get it if you're tapped into the the making of of shows and films like we are. Um, and it's great. It's great. I, Alicia Vikander is absolutely amazing in the role. She just has this really ethereal royal quality to her performance um and it's just one that i had no idea it existed until i saw it pop up on the the menu of hbo max and i was like oh okay whatever you know i'll give this a shot it aired on like monday nights you know which is like not the usual hbo night it's kind of like like, where hbo throws their shit like that they don't really care about so i was like all right whatever I'll, i'll try and then every monday night i found myself so excited to watch a new episode of Irma Vep. I was, I was really taken with it. Uh, I really blown away. Um, yeah, 
Love it so much. My number 10. This is on my list. I have a long list of shows that like I need to, I just like know I need to watch. The problem with the show is I kept being like, oh, I'm about to fire up an episode. I'm like, I should probably watch the movie first though. And then I no. just never got around to watching the movie and then never got around to watching the show. Yeah. So, really yeah. funny, really unique. Um, yeah. All right, Drew, you want to tell us your number 10 so that we know if we have to wait? No. Okay. <laughs> um, my number nine, we might have to wait on again. It's the after party. That is my number nine as well. Wow. Uh, we are going to have to wait just a little bit for that. Okay. okay. Wow. I'm surprised. It, I made both your lists. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really happy. It almost it almost didn't, but I had to. It's yeah, a really special Drew, show. you hear that? It almost fucking did it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good Lord point. Lord Miller? Watch out. Mostly Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mills, right. we're uh, we're up to number eight. Um, my number eight is, and I was not expecting for all of us to skip past that that fast. So let me pull up my list here. Oh, uh, my number eight, we're definitely gonna have to wait on. <laughs> it's White Lotus. It did not make my list, unfortunately. But uh, Drew, is it on yours? Man, you've been watching some some like high high access like fyc shit that doesn't even exist yet for <laughs> yeah. that to not make your list uh um, man just completely out on white lotus just don't want to be a part of our guy mike white's world is what you're saying <laughs> the white lotus i'm guessing it is on your list right yes absolutely okay okay okay, okay. um all right Ernie, what's your number eight? my number eight <laughs> is a show that you had on your list last year that I left out and I felt bad and I'm making good on it now. Um, it's Reservation Dogs. Yeah, you're going to have to save that one. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to save that one. We're getting so much overlap. Um, I told you that there's there's just a good, consistent group of shows and oh my God, coming out. Drew is back oh off the Oh my bench. God. Oh, he's coming in here. And I brought my Oh, ice. it's like Tua coming in <sighs> after his third concussion. Oh no. I brought my ice ring. Should we allow him this to happen? I'm like, I'm like seizing Should up, like Gattel, dropping my mic. <laughs> Should Goodell step in here to we stop need, this? We need a medic on the sidelines <laughs> ready to go. All right, we do have a, like a license, uh, spotter watching the pod from from like from basically yeah. like from the nosebleeds they're gonna to radio in and be like you guys have to stop it Drew's hey, gotta drew's get, so he's damn gotta st get drew's so stupid right yeah. now <laughs> um he had bon appetit in his top five well if you want at this point we can talk about the season of survivor a little bit both or or one in particular um well, let's focus on the, the more recent one, season 43, just because we haven't talked about it. Spoiler alert. Gaber. Gaber. Gabler. Gabler. Alligator. 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 I got it yeah, wrong, too. <laughs> it's Gabler. It's Gabes, man. So, yeah, uh, we're, you know, there are certain shows that we're just going to have to get spoilery with. This is one of those. <laughs> yes, you say immediately after saying the name of the champion, <laughs> like the, the first word. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. I guess we got to get the spoiler. Uh, oh, it's too late I can now. cut it out. Um, no, I have full control. Also, I mean, hey, you, you also got it like way wrong. So maybe <laughs> I'll bleep it. Um, that that just can't be your ending. Uh, Survivor has a, a really, really critical fundamental problem and it. it's, it's broken the game and it's made it so that no season has been satisfying since season 40. Uh, and Which is crazy because they, they just try I, to do a reset 
with this for with 41 and now it feels like they need another reset because their reset didn't fundamentally change anything aside from style it didn't change the substance it didn't change the way the game so works. before we get it before we get into that because i do have lots of thoughts and i have one way one clear-cut fix that i think fixes survivor completely and reinvents the show but before we talk about that we Does should it talk have about to do with an hourglass yeah <laughs> i think that we should change the game because i think they tried um, <laughs> shit did they do that already Fuck. um no before we actually get into how the show can be fixed we should probably talk about this season as a whole because i think that season 43 is the best season since they brought the show back it's the best pandemic. of the three i would say yeah it's got the best cast it has the best post-merge tribe of newbies that i can remember in recent memory Probably since probably Kagayan. Even Kagayan had a lot of weak links. You need on the to watch. I'm tribe. telling you both. You need to watch season 37. It's the season with Mike White on it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah And it is one. an elite yeah. survivor season. It's easily the best uh, in the last five years. Like I, I just winners at war is, is, you know, you can't compare it to regular. So I, I'm not including that. Mm -hmm. But uh, great season. It proves that you can still do good survivor, you know, in the modern era. But they are not. The problem is that players are so good that anyone who is perceivable as a threat is voted out uh, with a good amount of time left in the show. So in, in a show where ostensibly it's supposed to be a skill-based game, the most skilled player almost never wins. Yeah. I, I'm really interested to hear your take on how to fix that because it was really frustrating watching this season knowing that my my favorite player, my pick to win, who should have won had he been around for the final three, uh, knowing that he wouldn't make it there Jesse. because he's yeah yeah he yeah. was my he was my pick from the jump. That was some that was some straight I, up bullshit. Well, <laughs> my pick was similar to that from being was Carla. I was all in on the Carla hide. She she went she like off out. the rails. But yeah, she, she just, burnt out. No, and the thing is with Carla is something that you don't see as much anymore is that she was doing incredible and then she just totally blew up her own game she started she started talking it's a thing that like yeah, it happens much. and this is survivor used to focus more on this and they've kind of moved away from the as they as they have provided them more resources and stuff like that but you are so hungry all the time and so sleep deprived all the time that you start to kind of lose your fucking mind yeah. <laughs> while you're out there and like the paranoia it's one thing like people are already paranoid because you're playing for a million dollars and you can be voted out and be backstabbed at any point but like especially if you are sleep deprived and like food deprived that just elevates to the nth degree so my fix to this is I think and this is a multi multi-million dollars so <laughs> mr paramount come closer um probst probst, probst runs paramount mr Jeff Jeffrey? CB cbs all access can i call you that um paramount Blues. why is there not for the last uh six episodes five six episodes why is there not a paramount plus show that just focuses on Ponderosa. Because here's the thing. Here's oh, the thing. Oh, that's such a good idea. Here's the thing <laughs> is that we like to pretend like they just, uh, they get voted out and then they just make an independent decision all on their own based on only the clips they see at Tribal. That's not how that works. Whenever they get voted out, 
everybody who is on the jury gets to go home or gets to go to this island set of islands called Ponderosa. This like basically resort where they get to eat whatever they want, sleep, and they all talk with each other. And they can and while say they're whatever there, the hell they want. Yeah. They <laughs> they lobby for their people when they're there. And more than lobbying, they put down other they people talk when shit. they're there. They talk mad yeah. shit, which is why in the finale, Cassidy was probably the most deserving out of the three to win who made it but to final Carla travel. ruined her game. But yeah, no, exactly. And do you know how much fun that would have been to just see people just destroy the other person on the other thing? Like, this could be a Paramount Plus show. It could be completely independent. It costs Paramount Plus, like, fucking nothing. Like, they already have the camera crew out there. Just get, like your B crew to basically just go there and like do the whole confessions, do 30 minutes, 40 minutes yeah. on. This. And they, they have multiple times before they've done like DVD extras at Ponderosa or like there was a like little mini series that aired on the fuse network during Kagayan, which is a great season to see Ponderosa. Mm-hmm. That, unfortunately they, it's just not a ton. You can find it. Uh, you can find a lot of clips of it on YouTube and it's, it's really interesting, but they that would be a hard choice for them what you're describing hunter because i agree there should be a ponderosa more of like an involvement with that but do they want to ruin the illusion that the politics end when you're eliminated i just think it's we're so far past that yeah survivor has been going on for so long that that's not an illusion i'll also add that this season in particular um i don't think it felt like this in the last couple years um, the editing is very odd and they like try to obscure very important information mm-hmm. to try to like to try to pull like a twist every hate, episode. So I, I hate that. I because I think that one of the joys of Survivor is you know information that the characters don't know. Yeah. So I hate the flashbacks that they do when they reveal well, a piece of information as something else is happening. Sometimes like they'll as they're save doing a the vote. flashback for like the next episode. That sucks. That's not acceptable. And like people will get voted out, and you'll be like, "Well, that has that is completely detached from the last scene before tribal." Yeah. No, I I hundred percent. I I think it's I think it's almost them preparing too much for it to become a bingeable streaming show, where like the episode because that's that's a a tactic used by a ton of newer shows. One show I watched this year that I didn't want to talk about um, was uh, the Mole on Netflix, Mm. which is oh, this looked like a fake show. This was real. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I watched the whole thing. I don't okay. know. I is don't it, know. Is it Netflix slop? I think it may oh, be. Yes. Oh, it's 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 so <laughs> slop. sloppy. It's, the it's mole, stinky slop. Well, yeah. T- talk about the premise because the premise is interesting. I've been yes. It's well. It's also this is a revamp of an early two thousands show that uh, was hosted by Anderson Cooper. Yeah, the yeah, Coopster. And, and mm. this this new iteration is hosted by a different uh, MSNBC uh, anchor. Uh, I think her, her name is Alex something, and she's she's really great. The show is overproduced to absolute shit. Um, it took place during COVID. It just it seems really stilted and awkward. I, I don't know. I think maybe look out for an article by me on the We Bought a Mike website Ooh, because oof. this is a fundamentally flawed show. And I think I need to look into the older seasons to see if they had the same. The way this show is constructed is just an, it's a nightmare. Um, we need a we need a segment called "Is it slop?" Like, is it cake? It's slop. Is it slop? It's <laughs> Everyone on it is annoying. It's it's way overcooked. Like it's the quality is too high almost. Yeah, it, it mm. almost looked like it was 
almost like a Tyler Perry show or something. So, like one of the and things it's also, he produces. Well, the, yeah, because the problem is it like all of the challenges are incredibly thought out and like high budget, high stakes. And so the amount of money that they're competing for becomes very underwhelming because of that. Like, you, like it's like it's pretty commonplace for your average, your run of the mill, like high budget new game show to go for a million dollar prize. Period. Like that just that happens. That was like the fucking cube. I'm pretty sure had that shit. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like they're fighting over a someone is actively sabotaging them and they're fighting for like a few thousand bucks at a time basically over the course of the show while doing so, challenges that definitely cost like a hundred thousand dollars to set up oh this is a it, 17 day show and at most the winner gets a hundred thousand dollars yeah it's it's the most frustrating show i've i have ever seen in my life because i wanted it to be good so bad yeah well it's like it's like among us right among yes us. one person it's a group of people all doing these challenges to to gain money. One person among them is yeah. a mole. Um, that sounds awesome. That's why that's I, a, yeah, yeah that's premise. why I watched it. There are there are people deep in like the you know like the gaming ga- taking game shows very seriously community that like really like this show. Uh, the mole. It's is the Belgian show. <laughs> Demule. Demule. It's it's so flawed though. the The problem is the whoever the mole is doesn't have true incentive to sabotage the show other than the fact that like that's their job it's not like the mole gets whatever they sabotage Mm. which would make so much sense the mole is just basically an employee of the show yeah it's the producers like prodding them (laughs) base it's just it's it's one of the contestants and they just like operate as staff almost like to (laughs) fuck everything up problem is that's not enough incentive for me to like be interested in in what the mole's doing like it ended up being i don't know it's it's just really frustrating the the way the game works also means that it doesn't matter if everyone thinks you're the mole it's actually almost good if everyone thinks you're the mole so there is no incentive for anyone to not act sus the entire season there's no there's no wait so you don't that doesn't make any sense. Why would that not? Why would you want everybody to act suspicious in a way? It's of like, just there's I, no reason for them not to, because if everyone thinks that you're the mole, then guess what? You have a leg up on him because, you know, you're not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like the way that everyone's voted out every week is you have to answer a series of questions about who you think the mole might be. These questions are very like personal questions. Like, what is their sign? Like shit like that stuff that we don't know. <laughs> As an audience, we don't get any of this interaction where they're learning about each other at all. So, like, the entire basis of how they're eliminated is a series of questions that we cannot answer. Like, it is so stupid. I don't know how to fix it, but I'm going to figure it out. Well, that's Drew's number, number nine. That's my number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> is the mole. Did um, you? Did you? I don't think you I, said your number nine. So, I'm just going to put the mole. Yeah, I didn't. I hardly even. Everything like under seven for me was things were were unserious shows okay my top seven i I really want to talk i do want to say just real quick one last thing for survivor um i actually like gabler i'll be i'll be on i think gabler is an awesome survivor contestant i think that gabler is like actually like low-key at a great social game especially for an older guy that cannot be underrated is he the oldest over He's the second oldest winner. And the first oldest winner was in like season five or something like that. So he's the oldest winner in like, I don't know, like 10, 15 years. Like Survivor is a young show and so much of it is about making connections, especially with younger people. So normally a lot of older contestants, 40 and up, are either kicked out immediately because they don't vibe with anybody or they're just straight goats. And 
Gabler is not a goat. Well, and like, but he also is entertaining like a goat. He, I thought he was yeah. a great Survivor contestant because he was fun to watch because yeah. he does have a little bit of coach in him, a little bit of like he does have some weird older him. guy who's like taking himself dead serious. Yeah. He also kind of sounded like Nicolas Cage. No, uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> no free uh, ads to other podcasts, but there is a a podcast uh, that I listen to. Uh, called the tribe has spoken or the pod has spoken. Excuse oh, me. Oh, the Tyson. Um, that Tyson Apostle runs and Coach was on an episode and Coach was just like, I really like this Gabler guy and I was like, Yeah, I fucking bet you do. He's, <laughs> he's just the modern reincarnation of you. So I I like that. My biggest problem with the show and it's similar to what you were saying earlier, Ernie, with them withholding information. The edits they have gone too far in the other direction of giving people quote-unquote hero edits yeah. that now they're giving fake hero edits yeah. to people carla and that, jesse carla and jesse both just got winner edits and so the problem with the winner edit is that you get emotionally invested in these people and you spend less time with somebody else but whenever you spend less time with who be, ends up becoming the winner yeah. then that's a bad In- job by the incredibly incredibly frustrating watching experience it was and and lee lee did not want to watch survivor and I kept putting it on, and she got fucking invested. She got sucked into it. <laughs> this is what happens with Gaia. To the point <laughs> where she got upset with me when I watched an episode without her. Because I thought she didn't, she wasn't interested. And she was like, no, I'm fucking interested. You made me watch it. Now I care. And then we got to the end, and she was so mad yeah. that Gabler won. She was like, I'm never fucking watching it's, Survivor again. The real, the real thing they need to fix is, and they've tried is the logistical issue of when it comes down to four. That is always when the best person goes. And Do you think that they should start, that they should get rid of fire? Do you think they should incorporate fire earlier on the game? I like keeping fire. It's something like carnal about it. And maybe it's just because I know that like, if I got on survivor, I could fucking win. Should, when it came should to fire. the speaker I of can the make house a goddamn fire. should have been chosen with fire. Should they? Have, oh my God. <laughs> we should take this to the GOP. Is yeah. it too late? Kevin Are they McCarthy doing like the 37th vote now? I feel like Jim Jordan would win that. They would still be here trying to make fire. They would not. Those guys, you think they ever did a Boy Scouts uh, retreat? Remember when Matt Gates uh, proposed that Trump become Speaker of the House? That's, <laughs> that's our rep, baby. <laughs> Yeah, man and, uh, and, life is so fucking and like a hundred old men seven? almost beat him up <laughs> <laughs> immediately that was uh, that, that was maxwell was... frost first day on the job <laughs> that was his first day in the house of representatives <laughs> um <laughs> well that just happened is this a bad time <laughs> <laughs> he's got all this you know a box of his stuff oh uh, where's my desk <laughs> Okay. He's like, wait, so we're just going to do this for like the next like week or like what <laughs> is this what the job is? Uh, number seven, Hunter. My number seven, we might have to wait on again. One of these days I'm going to get to talk about a TV show on my list. Uh, it's Severance. It's also my number seven. Oh, we're waiting though. Severner. Se- I, I did put it at seven consciously so yeah. I can go se- Severance. So Dude, we have we have okay Hunter and I have Ernie get the two. fuck off my list you watch so much TV I know. why is your list my list get out of it, here these are great fucking <laughs> shows he's basically proving that you're a more effective Stop. TV yeah, watcher I, I'm all about like hit rate okay, you're, you're, so, your effective field goal percentage for TV shows is, yeah is, he's Kobe I'm like the Demontis your, Sabonis yeah upper. he's Kobe your MJ <laughs> <laughs> okay Drew what's your number seven um let's talk about Wayne Jenkins the crab king himself what's a man gotta do over here get a wine cooler 
That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. I was working on Happy Wayne bit. Jenkins Day, everybody. Um, Happy Wayne Jenkins Day, everybody. Hey, hey, you boys ever seen the Roger Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> God damn. And a motherfucking brick. I God. I was I I want you guys to know I was working on my Baltimore accent in the yeah. car right over God, here. It's, 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 that, is that what Chris Chris Ryan does in the mirror every day? Wakes just up, just looks wakes. in the morning, goes and a motherfucking brick. <laughs> You're gonna nail this fucking impression to right. CR. <laughs> All right, um, it's low key the best thing that Wayne Jenkins does is whenever he goes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this, uh, my favorite thing he does is um, opens his eyes as wide as they can, like he's like. <laughs> but he, but John Berthold has the smallest little eyes. I, he, the beadiest little fucking <laughs> so eyes you've ever so seen. Funny. I, it's, it's a thing that it's like, it's almost sad that I have it at ten, and this might be like the best television character that we've had in the last in, ten incredible. years. Incredible! Like it's a detriment to the rest all, of the show yeah. that nobody else comes no, in the same no stratosphere is, as and him. It, it's it feels partially by design because I mean most of these other characters are not written as strongly as he is. I mean he's playing a very you know, but there are a lot of like big personalities in this story. This is the real story of the corruption in the Baltimore Police yeah. Department, like mm-hmm. uh, around the circa the time of the Freddie Gray riots. These these are real people. Yes, uh, Wayne Jenkins was a is is a real person, and. It's from uh, David Simon and uh, George Pelicanos. Yeah, George Pelicanos. Who did The Wire and The Deuce, which and, we love. And Trim. Trimé. 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 Um, this is a, a little bit of a spiritual successor to The Wire. Yes. And it's, you know, obviously The Wire is set in Baltimore, but those were all fictional people. This is real people, real events. Yeah. And it feels like it's treading a lot of the same themes about, you know, corruption and the failure of, of systems and the the kind of um, collapse of policing in a in a city that's been like rotted by by I, racism is a tame way to put it because it's just so much more fucked it's, up than just systemic, plain old racism. It's systemic corruption. Yeah. Just at every single level. The deeper that you go, the more yeah. money, power, politics, it like it, it all just seeps into these people uh, falling into a black hole. And Wayne Jenkins is that black hole. <laughs> And and he's the most charismatic, energetic, all smiles. Like the the way the story goes, and it's this anachronistic, like kind of jumping back and forth. The, in time yeah, the chronology story. is absolutely insane. Yeah, in the show it's hard. It's hard to keep it is, up. With it some is stuff. hard yeah. to follow. Especially they don't always they, tell you when they are jumping. They are yeah. they aren't exactly like de aging uh, John Barenthal. His, so his he hair. Just you gotta still, keep, you gotta watch his hair. The the worst haircut and facial hair I have ever seen. <laughs> on television the real life wayne jenkins had to have that goatee right because no that's not a decision that's not a decision that like a team makes is like hey we want to give you like bushy but like small but very it's taking up a lot of space yeah it's 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 awful it's really wild um so as david simon uh is want to do he, this show more than anything, I would say does a really effective job of breaking down exactly how corruption happens in yeah. police systems. Exactly. Like it is very, very, very grounded and uh, covers a lot of facts, a lot of 
episodes I would say are 90% hard exposition, 90% like really breaking down the, like what is happening step by step in this legal process. Um, because we're dealing with like depositions, we're dealing with, you know, police interviews, cutting to flashbacks a lot of the time. It is based on a book yes. uh, of the same name. So it has that feeling to it where it you're definitely just, you're downloading like just straight walls of text and into your brain. Exactly. And it's, so it is six episodes. They're each an hour long ish. Meaty. Um, very meaty. I think, uh, it handles a lot of the real life stuff in a very respectful way. And I think the show probably suffers because of that. Um, David Simon in general, from, from my experience with the wire, it takes a long time to get to the characters in his stuff to get to really feeling for people. And so that's you're you don't feel very much for these characters as much as you see them as, um, chess pieces. Yeah. You know, because this ensemble is fucking humongous mm -hmm. and they're, they're great performances, but it's f so huge. Yeah. I mean, the, the core here is the, the gun trace task force, which is Wayne Jenkins and his merry men, band of merry men that surround him. And that's kind of like the core of the story. But then, you know, as the the plot sort of starts to jump back and forth in time, you get the kind of investigators that are looking into the corruption case uh, itself, and yeah, you also get the mayor, and yeah, mm. there's a lot of like yeah, you, satellites around. You it. get like ten different layers of police officers, like they really, which I appreciate coming from you know working in the world of local government. Yeah. It is weird how many departments there are, right? <laughs> yeah, and how easy it is for these people to fall into the trap. And I think that's the the thing this show does the best is not only does it humanize these people, not to the point where you like feel sorry for them because right. they're all terrible people but it makes you see how it's not out of like sheer evil that they do what they do it's just their inability to pull away from the gravity of it they get sucked into mm -hmm. that black hole it's and just, they it's, it's, it's intoxicating like once you actually do get into it, i mean and like you said like there's even with Wayne Jenkins, he is the most charismatic figure and you can see why people are drawn towards him. But it's also very clear like this is a bad person. Well, he's also terrifying. Yeah, no, it's it, it's he has a magnetism to him, yeah. but not that something that you want to necessarily follow in his cult. But but they do kind see, of. Well, no, you can see why other people are infatuated and yeah. are brought into that lifestyle, especially like. I, I'm thinking about it, it's a scene that's kind of sat with me from earlier on. I think it's episode one or it's probably episode two where there's the scene of a like flashback of Wayne, like actually getting on the force and buying some some lobster or is it crab legs for it's like crabs, baby. Yeah, buying mm -hmm. some crabs for everybody. He's just like I spent forty five dollars on those things. And nobody's eating them. It's We're like Wayne Jenkins day. Money dude. is money is such a well, this is like back this in the day where he's just like he has no money and like cops don't make a lot of money is kind of the thing is that a lot it, you you are still working for like any government job you don't get paid the most as a former government employee i can say that um so kinda, like kind of scraps it, really it starts with oh we get free ot we get to just claim ot all this stuff oh well, we're on this position. We only have to say that we found five thousand dollars. In reality, we found a hundred thousand dollars cash. Uh, all right. 
just pocket. don't 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 go out buying stupid shit or paying off all your debts right away but like yeah. it it is so easy to get sucked into it and then once you start to like take a little bit then it's like well we found all this coke i already know this guy who's working the streets right now i can just pass that off to mm. him and then just get another like few g's right there and like it's just the the snowball keeps, effect happens so easily compounding and i think that outside of uh Barenthal, which I mean, just is the king and is one of the winners of this year, can, in my can, opinion. Can we can, um, hold, before we move on from him? Can is this his best role? Yes. Yeah, I think this is the type of like instant iconic performance that like when somebody just says Wayne J- Wayne Jenkins, like awesome. I just know. Got to compliment the real guy for his name, <laughs> Wayne Jenkins, man. Well, just, his parents. Yeah, yeah. Big, I, big Wayne baby. This is. It's hard to think of anyone else being able to knock this role out of the park how he does like it is, he was made for this i and i like by vibe i you know i intrinsically understood he could do this but i'd never seen him really knock something out of the fucking park like this and he is you are glued yeah. to it, the screen it's high it's really high level acting um it brings a lot of uh a lot of dialogue that i you know you get you get mucked down and sometimes it feels a little wooden and technical and he he brings it all to life. Every line he says feels very very yeah. real. He's he's doing the fuck out of a Baltimore accent, <laughs> going for <laughs> like it. just as strong as you could possibly do. It's so good. I mean, he's always had like supporting performances. You mm-hmm. know, you think of Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. Walking Dead, obviously. Uh, and he, I mean, he pops up Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, he's, uh, he's Baby been, Driver can't yeah. stop making out with his lady. He honestly, he's incredible in King Richard last year. Yeah, he's like those booty shorts, low key. Like I don't know, probably the most entertaining thing about King Richard, if not the best. Like he, he's awesome in that movie. So that like primed me yeah. for yeah. the Wayne Jenkins he's, performance. This is I'd like to see more of this because he, you know, he is naturally like there are certain roles he can't quite ever play because he, you know, he looks like he was born to play like sort of uh, down on their luck like boxers. Right. <laughs> or like guys who are evil, like his character in The Walking Dead. I feel like he kind of got typecast into stuff like that since that was his first really big role was like he's the guy in the group who you don't really trust. Like that's that was always kind of his he's got thing. Beady little eyes. Look at those beady little fucking eyes. Um He slays though. The show itself it, is is very strong, but I think I think it suffers from uh delete a few characters syndrome mm-hmm. yes and i yeah yeah get, get rid of a couple combine a couple people i i respect that they're well, trying the, to respect real life so i can't complain too hard about the that, woman but. um what's the woman the woman uh, nicole Steve. yeah is she a lawyer uh she well she works for the the civil rights division. civil rights yes. division of department of justice that's that's a amalgamation of that's not a real person that's an amalgamation that makes sense i think they could have done that a couple more times for example the two feds um are reporting their findings to like four different bosses (laughs) that is not necessary (laughs) we could actually get to know one boss um Mm -hmm. and like they're because they're because we're not getting a lot of character moments most of the like almost every moment textbook shit yeah most like they don't have time for that this is six hours and they are going over a very complicated story um, but another, I think very tangible way that the show sort of suffers by being respectful is for example, the way it handles in, in the last episode, the death oh, of a cop. Yeah. Of, um, 
I got it. I got it. His name is Sean. Um, Because in real life, it is not known whether he was killed or committed suicide. They play Sean Suter. They play it very, very ambiguously. Um, If you wanted to be less respectful to the dead, what you would do is have like an entire episode where he's contemplating killing himself and like, you know, like pick a side. It would probably be more compelling if he kills himself. Um, But that's you can't do that this wasn't like uh this wasn't like 90 years ago mm. that's when you can do that this just happened right. so um while i really respect the show i i was i wanted more wayne jenkins's <laughs> yeah. i wanted more humanness but it's I the think story's too serious it is it is yeah and it's complicated how this shit happens you know and they mm-hmm. want to they want to break it down so i respect that i you're 100% right that i think that there is just a little bit it's a little bit too overwritten and I think a little bit too much wanting to pay homage to the source material, which I can respect, but getting back to the point, just, I just want an entire show with the gun trace task force. Like I just want a full six hours with just those guys. Not because like I like them. I want to hang out with them, but even somebody like, um, Herschel, who's just like the worst human being you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah, shout out Josh uh, Charles. Josh Charles, uh, just playing the worst person, a racist, vile piece of shit human being. But he's playing it in such a way that's like, I do kind of just want to spend more time with them of like, oh, we're going back to the two straight county cops who are like, hey, oh man, the trackers went missing. Knox, oh man, that's weird. Man, those guys are boring. Yeah, dude, why why did that, we spend so much because, time with those well, guys? So it's so very it's very like, clear like, that I, the the white bearded dude is like someone who is could become someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's very hot. Yeah, he's um, he's a very good-looking guy. Man, the, he's giving nothing. Um yeah. and it's and also the show almost entirely abandons him for the last 3 episodes <laughs> um because his character becomes obsolete. It's just it's it's a head scratcher, you know. It's it's odd. Um couple people I wanted to shout out um outside of Barenthal uh is the two main guys on the Gun Trace Task Force who we spend the most amount of time with. Yes. Outside of them. Jamel. Uh Daniel Britt Gibson. Yeah, and he plays Jamel. Daniel yeah, Britt yeah. Gibson is awesome. He's like honestly number two for me is just favorite guys. And then McKinley Belcher the third, who plays a uh, G, I yeah. think is yeah, yeah. Um just both of them, I fucking loved it. Every moment that was just the three of them of the two of them and, and Wayne together, I was just like, This is dynamite. When they go to the strip club oh and my they find God. A, uh, <laughs> a stripper. That's- that is so fucked up it's so fucked up and like i'm cackling but like not not in the way that like like it's cackling and like a these are the worst human beings i've ever seen in my life and i can't believe that they're getting away with this yeah but the the other guy um uh what is it g money yeah yeah um i think they give him like the most sort of pathos in moments like that where it's like you can see on his face he does not want to be yeah, there we, we yeah. get a bit of a journey from him they give us like a half-assed uh wayne jenkins journey um but he becomes bad really quickly <laughs> yeah he falls in quick g money though yeah and then sean stays good right um, which is again why it'll be really if they give us a little more emotional moments with him we could really get payout when he yeah passes but it's a good show i think it does a really good job at kind of covering all the bases and 
uh, that's what you get from Simon and Pelicanos. Like all their shows, they give you all the different perspectives. And in this case, when you only have six episodes, it becomes a huge detriment to the story and the characters where it's like all plot, like all like information download. And then you get this like absolute like lightning bolt of a character with Wayne Jenkins to make it a more watchable experience. Um, The reason why like a show like the wire um, and even the deuce works so well is because it's not six episodes right it stretches over it, way way longer it's and, like the the catch 22 of like i appreciate a show like this like i appreciate its brevity that it's told its full story in just six episodes but also i i don't know like it felt like because they were trying to stuff so much in six episodes that you were kind of suffocated in plot at mm-hmm. a certain point and, and, and plot that's just, happening out of order and there is a little bit <laughs> right there is a little bit of like uh uh the wire for dummies kind of happening yeah in all of this that's just like <laughs> the well, spark notes yeah it's it's exactly yeah, like it's, 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 just, it's, it's yeah it's just quicker the wire it's like yeah. we could just well, i will say after watching this i mean the wire's like at the top of my watch list of just things it's been up there for it's been staying up there that and I finishing watched, sopranos in order to actually like check off the boxes of like tv pantheon shows yeah. that i'm are my blind spots i've i've watched so. a, like a season and a half of the wire because that second season the docs man that is it it slows the fuck down i, I mean, want to get to the that good is stuff. exactly where i yeah <laughs> <laughs> left off. and i know it gets so much better after yeah that. And I want one day, one day I'll, I'll get to it. So that's We Own This City. It's Drew's seven. It's Hunter's 10. And it's my number 12. It's like right there. Like uh, I just had to make it. You aren't allowed to give a number. You just have to say an honorable <laughs> mention. You have to say that Wayne Jenkins doesn't make your list. God one damn. of the best fictional characters ever written in the last 10 years doesn't make your list. And one of the best real guys. Hey, hey you can't fuck with Superman. Wow. Drew's so mobile right now. He's just yeah. walking I know. around I the studio. Just, I can just turn this bitch off. He had oh a comment at, over From there and then the flipped fridge. it back off and then came back. It's amazing. Man. I'm about to mm-hmm. open this and you're only barely going to hear it through Hunter's mic. Okay. Number six, okay. Hunter. My number six is... I got so caught up that I closed my phone. Oh, it's Reservoir Dogs. Let's talk about it. Reservation. Reservation Dogs. Not um, the Quentin Tarantino. No, you didn't know that that got made into a, a TV show. Um, no, it's Reservation Dogs. Um, so, yeah, like I was saying I, earlier, oh. I had to make good on this one because I left it off my list last year. This This got like my I hope it doesn't tank award where it just like ends on such a high note that with such promise for season two that I was like, all right, you better make good on that. You better make good on it. I left it off. And then now that we're at the end of season two, it feels like a complete story. Mm -hmm. It feels like seasons one and two are the full story of these kids in this reservation in Oklahoma, trying to get out to find a better life in California and maybe figuring out that, Oklahoma ain't so bad. There's yeah. a lot of magic there. I well, I have a lot of thoughts about the very end that we can kind of get to here. But I mean, I think that this season, I think that a lot of season one, um, 
got compared a lot to Atlanta, and I could definitely see yeah. that comparison. Oh, but, episodic television? Yeah, episodic television. each episode is a story? Yeah, I. who can believe... Oh my god, each episode is like its own little short film. Wow. It's a good thing it's, that Atlanta invented that form of storytelling. Um, GDT is ripping <laughs> off Donald Glover. <laughs> I love um, my monsters. I uh, No, I think that season two is honestly a, a solid... I, I think that I had Reservation Dogs at number seven last year. I only have it six this year so it sounds like it didn't step up much but i think that this is like a pretty significant step forward and this is i have it so high because i want people to watch the show and god damn it i don't want the show to get canceled because i feel like oh, nobody's watching the show yeah. i don't think anybody well, is fucking watching this show a- fx and has a as a good record of keeping sh- critically acclaimed shows around them. yeah i hope so because okay, it is it is renewed it is, it is re- renewed uh, is that newer because i did not no, see september they actually out. said it was because you put it so high on your list oh yeah. my god did they, br- just, they just they just dropped did yeah. he just oh my god thank you so much mr mr fx can i f can i call you oh that? wait no um, they just heard your thoughts on thor love and thunder Oh, they oh, they canceled can't. it again. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> what if I told you that Angela Bassett, I guess, deserves an Oscar? No, I think that this show, what it's doing with like character development, episode to amp episode, and just the actors that they find that they just pull out of literally fucking nowhere, the including kids. in some cases, like people who weren't acting like two and a half years ago. And it's like nobody has an excuse for why they can't find good kid actors. Because this show, they'll just have extras. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically of the the cheese episode, Lane where, Lane Factor with uh, uh with our Mark boy Maron. Mark Marin who owns a home for like lost kids. Incredible. Um, just a pissed off like foster guy. Foster no, guy. No, he's not even a foster parent. He's just like a uh, he's just owning a, a he's mentor. a guy who has a group home. Yeah, yeah, just like. Everybody in that episode who's just only in one episode, kids who have like I've never seen in my life before are just giving like knockout incredible performances. And it's like if Stellan Harjo can just find these guys out of fucking nowhere, then nobody has an excuse anymore. You yeah. got Well, the I, excuse is uh, you have to be a good director <laughs> to, yeah. to direct uh, kids and non-actors. Exactly. Both very hard. I mean, we saw Red Rocket last year. Sean mm-hmm. Baker, you know, he, yeah. he pulls motherfuckers from anywhere. I, Zhao. Honestly, there is a little bit of that. Not like plot-wise or anything like that, but of just like, <laughs> it has that same kind of general vibe of like, it's it's feeling like every episode feels like it's capturing lightning in a bottle in that same yeah. way that Red Rocket does, where it's like, I don't know how they are able to tell these incredibly compelling stories that are bringing in all these different characters. It does have the Atlanta thing where you just, you never know one episode to the next, what you're going to get. You don't know, like you're just going to be like watching one episode and it's dealing with Alora's grandmother's death. And then the next episode is just going to be like, Hey, we're going to hang out with uh, the aunties and Bear's mom. And just, or it's no, not even Vegas. Not even Vegas. No, it's just a, an, an IHG party, like a, a convention, a hospital convention party where just all these like women and they in get their, too high on edibles. These midlife crisis women are just out here trying to fuck dudes out here. <laughs> like it rocks. So good. You just never know what you're going to get episode to episode and like tonally what you're going to see. It's so confident. It, 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 I get mm-hmm. that feeling from it where it's like, you know, season one, at least the first half of it, it has that season one feel where it's like, all right, we're we're figuring things out. We're kind of figuring out how what this show is and, and how to get to the 
best version of it. And I think it gets to that. I might have to rewatch season one to kind of revisit those first couple episodes, but it didn't click into a higher gear until maybe the, the halfway mark. And season two, right out of the gate, it's just like, we know exactly how to calibrate this world. Mm-hmm. And this show feels like it's uncovering a new slice of TV that hasn't been touched before. It's like, it's like, oh my God, there's a whole world under this rock that nobody had ever looked under, you know, because stories like this, people like this don't get these opportunities in Hollywood. And it's like you, you, you know, we complain and, and people complain a lot about how like, you know, there's, there's the same stories being told over and over and reservation dogs feels like a world that hasn't been tapped into that feels rich and lived in and like full of possibilities for more stories like this. Like we, there's a plethora of great stories out there just waiting to be told. Mm. And that's the feeling I get from this. It's so specific slice of life. I I'm stealing this take from somebody else, but somebody compared it to a Richard Linklater film. Sure. Uh, I heard one of the watch guys mention that, and that is a really apt way to compare it. Cause it's, it's a Linklater film, but it's not telling the same story that we've seen a hundred times of like, Oh, you know, here's some like upper middle class white kids who got the chance to like do all these crazy shenanigans on like one faithful night in the summer. Like this is showing this life that you just don't really see ever. And not to mention that because the directing or all of the directors that work on this, all the writing staff that works on this are all coming from native backgrounds. They bring in such a native spiritualism to the show and interlace things where you're just seeing this very like grounded story, slice of life, kids shenanigans things. And then you'll just have like some spirits pop up. Yeah. Or like it'll be a thing where you just kind of feel like you're just in this like normal natural world and then uh an owl's eyes will be blurred out because that's just like a whole thing in native culture is like not actually looking an owl in the eyes. And like it's it's just all these like little details in it that are just so pitch perfect. And yeah. it's just it's so well executed. You mentioned the end of this show. I don't want to spoil this season because I still feel like this is a yeah, criminally the, underwatched show. The, but the the scene you're thinking of is it's special. It's the yeah. end of this season had me like ugly crying. Yeah. Like it honestly it's is a one crescendo. Of, it's a climax. It is, it's everything it's leading up to. It might be like the most emotionally affected by any film or TV that I was by any like singular moment in anything this year. It's like so well it was done. so perfect. And I made the mistake of watching it in public around other people. And so I'm just oh, saying, no. like, oh, fuck, no, bro. fuck, dude, I me. Um, it's it's like so well a urinal. Done. Uh, yeah. I'm just like oh, watching shit, it on man. my iPod video. Um, oh, my God. In 720p. I, I adore this show. I think it's so funny. You know, it has a very specific kind of humor. The episode with the, the girl from Prey. Um, Amber Midhunt. Mid-hunt oh my god! Uh, the um, where she's decolonization. Like, yeah, where she plays <laughs> this like girl from California I that's not trying even to recognize. That's where I was like, I can I recognize yeah, this girl? I cannot play. She's it. like trying to reconnect with like the native part of her family, and it's like it's th- this show 
is just a masterclass in balancing tone where it's like, Mm -hmm. there's this deep, like sadness to this whole story of like these people living in like a really tough situation and, and kind of their lives are defined by loss and trauma, Mm -hmm. but it never like, it never, the, the story's not really ever about that too much. It's usually like pretty light and funny. And an episode like this, like it manages to extend that balancing act to this character that comes into the reservation to try to like be this like motivational native speaker, but she's like not even from the community. She's from California, but it's like, She's doing it because she wants, she like genuinely wants to connect to this side of herself that she doesn't have in the city, in, in the metropolis of like San Francisco or wherever, or LA or wherever. And it, it doesn't come off as like weird or ugly or disingenuous. It, there's a warmth to it, but it's still like, it just all played for laughs and you feel like the kids feel like who the fuck is this bitch coming here to tell us what it's like to be a native. The funniest, no, the funniest part, the funniest uh, guy in that episode is I think that I'm trying to figure out the actor's name now, but the guy who plays like her, uh, like her assistant is just like, Oh, hey, Bobby you know, Lee, Dr. King. Yeah, you know, or no, 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 not not Dr. King. No, oh, no, no. Okay. The guy's just like, oh, you know, the the elders of they've called me something of an elder themselves, even though I'm I'm something of a of a uh, a prodigy. They say because I'm so wise, I'm wise beyond my years, and I can say that because other people have said that about me. <laughs> um, it's so fucking funny and good. But then at the same time, there is that emotional, like it's it's can hit that kind of emotional chord whenever it wants to more than Atlanta. Cause Atlanta has a like overarching plot. We're going to talk about Atlanta coming up here shortly. I'm sure. But, uh, there is still kind of a, a steady momentum and reservation dogs that isn't there with Atlanta reservation dogs, at least through these first two seasons, there's been, something at the end of the rainbow yeah, there's there, been there's yeah. been a, there's a, a through trajectory line. a through line yeah. a dramatic through line that you are working towards more so than there is in a show like yeah. Atlanta. And, and we'll see what happens with season three because yeah. it, it feels like they reach that and we'll see if they try to set up another one yeah we'll see i i just i love this show yeah. i i wholly love this show i think this Massive is like a recommend. very 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 special show and it's criminally underwatched and I I would I would recommend the show to everybody. Yeah. Like I think that this is there's a lot of shows on here where I'm like, uh, I have to give a bunch of caveats before I tell somebody yeah. to invest their time and energy into the show. But I, I amazing. think this is worth it. Shout out to all the cast. The, all those kids are amazing. They're all perfect. Yeah. So, shout out to uh Zon McLaren, um, the uh the sheriff officer guy. His LSD episode was a standout oh, man. for me. Officer Big. Um, Love that guy. And Bill Burr. You love to see Bill Burr. Anytime that guy pops up, it's Love like to see Kirk banger. Fox popping up in there is just this fucking hippie uh, owner of this white dude who's just fully associated himself with the native culture. Amazing. Yeah. Love it. Reservation Dogs uh, is Hunter's number six and my number eight. So now we're at my number six, which is Andor. Star Wars Andor. Uh, save it. You it's, watched Andor? No, no, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Guys, Star Wars, the realm of a galaxy far, far Pop away, off. is back. Andor 
is not only the best Star Wars thing since Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi, but it might be the best Star Wars thing since like the original trilogy. <laughs> Just period. I believe it. It's, I'm not gonna lie. I believe it. I believe in Tony Gilroy. Yep. Even though he doesn't have the like the biggest hit rate ever. Like people talk about him as though he's like one of the titans of cinema. He's not quite that. But he's Michael Clayton is a banger. Michael Clayton is a banger. Um, born, hey, born, born movies, you know, half duplicity. Of them. He he's made good shit. Half of Rogue One. I mean, more importantly, he's an interesting person to give full control over mm-hmm. a Star Wars project because yeah. the, I think. I mean, maybe if Lord and Miller had taken the reins behind a television show with this level of yeah, if, if Solo would have been oh, dude, then maybe oh things would have gone a little bit more smoothly because that's what they need. They need the reins, bro. So I I did a whole two hour pod with uh, friend of the show Adam about this uh, television show, so you can go and listen to that. I'll keep my my thoughts brief here because we just we waxed poetic about how amazing the show is in that. But I'll just say like you know a lot of people have been out on star Wars and just Disney plus in general, this is by far and away the best thing that Disney plus has produced. It is just unfair to everything else. It makes everything else look even more like slop. This is even this like is quality shit, even like WandaVision, even WandaVision. Yes. Um, even it's, Hawkeye. it's you, you keep waiting for it to be like, okay, okay. But when's, when's Mark Hamill, deep fake gonna come in when <laughs> when's it gonna get goofy yeah you keep wait like you keep thinking like all right Wait, now it's lightsaber going, yeah clap now it's gonna be like when it cuts to like darth vader and obi-wan like you know it never does they don't say the word jedi like one they, i i don't think they say it like a single time throughout the entire show it's funny because this is almost that that really annoying TikTok by that Marvel dude who's like, what if like just like every movie was in the Marvel universe? This kind of seems <laughs> like it's like the best version of that. Well, possible. it's it is. You know why it is like that? Because you think that a show about fucking Cassian Andor, like the third most interesting person, <laughs> you know, in the guy Rogue who One, dies in Rogue One, <laughs> yeah. you think that that would be like an inconsequential show on the margins of the Star Wars galaxy, but they get to do a lot of like big like lore moves they let tony gilroy like do a lot of shit there's like big things that happen in the show in the in the story of star wars like we see the beginning of the rebellion this is how the rebellion starts that's the story that's being told in this season of television and it's told in a way that feels so real that feels like oh my god this is this is actually how an oppressive imperial mm-hmm. force would push people to start a rebellion. This I like, I want to take notes. I'm like the Disney corporation is like telling us like, like it's, something feels <laughs> weird here. Like that a, a, a mega ultra corporation has this like almost like a manifesto up on their fucking streaming service where you could be like, Hey, actually, we could we could take notes here. Like there's specific lines of dialogue in this show that could like activate people to feel invigorated. Do you think that the people of Brazil just actually yes. watched Andor? Yeah, and that was we got to take over. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's incredible. The cast, uh, incredible. You, Stellan Skarsgård. Like the the mm, moment. There's a moment oh, in this show where Stellan Skarsgård gives a fucking monologue, 
and it has the same weight of Luke and Darth Vader having a lightsaber fight. Like, that's what this show does. Instead of having the lightsaber fight, it has fucking Stellan Skarsgård giving a monologue. That's what you're in for. That's better. I like that more. I know. I know, <laughs> guys. Like, what happened? Who I, let him get away with this? <laughs> so I do want to ask, because I think that the problem with Andor, because it is funny, it's it's a Disney Plus show, it's Star Wars, it's directed by Tony Gilroy, all that, and I feel like... Written. Outside, or written by Tony Gilroy, excuse me. Um, I feel like outside of all that, like the masses aren't really as into Andor. Like I was I just know this anecdotally. Um, I was talking recently. I went home with my family and was talking with my sister and uh, my brother-in-law and they watch all the Disney slop. They watch it all. And they hadn't gotten around to Andor. They're like, ah, yeah, you know, that's on our watch list of things to watch. And I feel like I've heard that from a lot of people that maybe it's because it feels kind of tertiary it feels it doesn't have all the inconsequential doesn't have star wars in but well my what i'm getting at here is do you think that the reason that made a lot of people roll their eyes to it or made a lot of people just think it doesn't really matter is because it's set in this phase in between uh prequels and original trilogy which is kind of a detriment to it for views wise, but do you think that actually went on to enhance it actual, well, it's, like it's overall, for because it feels like, like at the end of the day, we know Cassie and Andor dies in rogue one. So like who cares? It gives you more creative freedom at that point. To I, tell I, more I think it is a show story. marketed at adults in, okay. in, in, and I think that's what it is. Is Obi-Wan not? I also know Obi-Wan um, and Mandalorian are, are they're for families. They're for kids. They like, for, they for toys. Yeah. That's fair. I guess I think I think a large, you know, a, a quietly large chunk of population also still thinks of these shows as like, am I going to be able to watch the next movie if I don't watch yeah, the this? Mar- the Marvelification mm. yeah. of content. Yeah. They this like can fans I- will be excited for the setup for future installments. <laughs> they will clap when they know the reference. It's true. And uh, yeah, and because this is good, it's not interested in providing that. So, dude, I, Tony it's, Gilroy, it's a feature, not he, a bug. He doesn't but. know who like uh, fucking anyone in Star Wars is. Like, ask him who Lando Calrissian is. He'll ask be like, him who Grogu is. Yeah, he do think do, he's up he on does this not Grogu care. Knowledge. He see, he seems cool as hell. Like if. You know, everything that's leaked out about his pitch to them is is just like classic cool guy shit of him being like, listen, you're not going to do this. But if you did, <laughs> this is here's I'm going to here's, here's my what spy espionage <laughs> film. I, yeah, Star Wars. I know you shouldn't let me do this. It's It'd be a, crazy, but it's it's 12 episodes. He packs so much shit in here. He packs in this twisted love story between an imperial officer and like a do good security like low level guy who's basically having the same hero's journey as luke skywalker but within the empire like he believes the same things that like any hero's journey would have but he's just like a little shit that still lives with his mom and can't get a fucking promotion that that's a like a main one of the main characters of this show. He has a heist episode with um one of the um 
guys of the year, which we'll get to with with the bear, mm. Eben Moss uh, Bachrocker. Oh, man, our guy. Uh, in a heist episode. Cousin! Yeah. Does he say cousin? He and... does not say corner, but oh. he does say cousin. Okay. Um, And fucking uh, Andy Serkis in a prison break. Uh, the, the the way the show is structured is like these mini arcs, like these three episode mini arcs. So it's like kind of broken up. You get like you get the heist arc, then you get the prison break arc, and each one just feels so self contained. Um, and as you're watching it, you think you're hitting these peaks, and it keeps topping itself. It keeps fucking topping itself. And by the end, it feels like you got the story of the rebellion being formed. It's like, and the last episode is like the fucking Boston massacre of the rebellion. It's like the first fist that is thrown, you know, you get that fucking moment and God, it's so good. It's so good. It's, I, I feel like star Wars is not just dirty old slop anymore. Well, do you think, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you like in closing is, is there momentum for more here or is this just going to be a thing a where it's like, yeah, where it's like, man, remember when they let Tony Gilroy just like go to town and now we have, like four more shows where it's like the Grogu sitcom. Uh, there is on, there or? is one show being worked on, um, called The Acolyte, um, that what? I have hope that will continue this trend. But otherwise, who's all who's at the helm for The Acolyte? Because I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who's controlling. So it's a projects. woman named uh, Leslie Headland who worked on projects such as Russian Doll. Oh, okay. Um that's kind of like her biggest thing. Good show. Yeah. I could uh I could, you know, there's something there. I I just I I am curious I'll where Star Wars goes from here if they do like the critical route of like hey a lot of critics are buzzing us and we're appearing on year and list. Do they like that? Or at the end of the day, are they all about numbers? And they say, Hey, Obi-Wan got a lot more views than Andor. God, so maybe we should go more with so the fucking member berries shit. We'll see. I, yep. I honestly don't have much hope. The biggest <laughs> twist would be Kathleen Kennedy taking over the reins and star Wars becoming the interesting franchise as Marvel fizzles out into fucking nothing. Um, yeah, that would be a real plot twist. Andor's my number six. Drew. Number six, Du Bois. Yo, uh, nice. it's my number twelve. So okay, nice. I I have this very low. <laughs> not 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 very low, but you know I watched a lot of TV. This this didn't crack, but I liked it. It's a great show. It is. It's one of my favorite shows. This isn't my favorite season of it. Um, and that it, it had some really good standout mm -hmm. moments. It, it yeah, the memes. The memes were crackling. On top of all that, I just I think that it's it's I don't know. It's funny for a show so showy and like you know outwardly visibly impressive. It's really easy to take that part of it for granted. But the amount of like we were just talking about, we own the city, uh, and they're very different shows, but the amount of plot that this show is able to cover and make it feel fucking breezy is one of the writing triumphs of any show currently on TV to me, because um, 
I I think the season starts with like a previously on that covers the yeah. Well, it's like it's like a year after season two. Yeah, so yeah. so it covers the first two seasons entirely, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> they really they did so much. Yeah. They like they have given life and death to like I, characters that I you know. I wouldn't say you emotionally connect with, but like you connect with them as uh, entities. Like you, my my favorite character on the show is still Elizabeth Shue, and I'm sad that she died in season one. Mm. Um, but it's, it, it, I don't know. It's just it's very impressive how uh, infrequently it is bad because I think it should be. It's 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 not fair how much of this shtick it is taking up. Yeah, like. It, realistically the amount of like jokes and plot lines and angles of like dark heroism that they cover it's sh- this should be material for like multiple franchises yeah. of movies and not just heroism but like the 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 entire like industrial hero complex yeah so you yeah you have it from the media angle all the time like they you know they cover that side of it and how they're exploited by like a megacorp um, then you get the the militaristic angle of like you know how they the, you know they're like representative of the military in a lot of ways, um, and just just what it would look like to incorporate yeah. like the the alt right shit with the stepdad. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, oh my they god. Inco- uh, there's a lot of like modern socio political stuff that they throw in there. Um, you you know with a lot with levity, of course. Like they're doing it a lot of it for jokes. Um. But then, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's covering so much ground that it's like not leaving any for everyone else. Almost like it is, it's covering everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. season to season, and I think that's that's just insanely impressive. They, I, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say that I do think that there was if there was one knock that I have against this season is that it feels. I'm trying to figure out a better way to say this because this is going to sound very critical and I don't necessarily mean it this way, but this is the most online that the boys has ever been this season where it I feels agree. like they are trying. Yeah, there, to there's take a Snyder every- cut. There is a Snyder cut joke, but yeah. it's so good. It's so much of it is ripped straight <laughs> from the headlines. You mentioned the alt-right stuff and the way that lands, I think that it actually does end up in a good place, even if I think that the Trumpism is a little bit forced to get there. Um, but the Snyder cut jokes, there's a lot of like trying to bring in like these modern Twitter headlines and force them or force them, I guess, but like incorporate those into the plot threads of the boys. And I think think it's necessary better than others. Um, I also think that this is the most superhero of all of the seasons. Like this is the season where it's starting to feel more like a comic line. It's starting to feel more like, well, and there's maybe the, part of there's it is the soldier boy character. Well, yeah, there's that where I think that part of it is that season three, we now know each of these characters. We don't have to play the games of like establishing these new characters. So it's like, oh, we can bring this new guy into our plot line and let's interject him for this arc that we're going to have yeah. here. And it feels more comic booky. I don't necessarily mean that as a detriment because, you know, some comic book shit rocks and this is still better than any fucking thing that marvel is putting out like this is it's in my top 12 for a reason because i still think this show like the highs are so fucking high i just think that this season had a little bit more filler than season two in particular which is my favorite season so far i think um one of the a a very simple issue that the show has run into especially by the end of this season is the fact that 
the show can't go on much longer with Homelander being as powerful and villainous as he is, but you can't get rid of the best character on the show. Oh, he is yeah. when, when, so even though good. it's naturally it is time for him to die and go yeah. away for the show's purpose. But mm. I can't watch the show I, without Anthony Starr. We need Star. Anthony Starr, man. He's it's, just it's uh. one of the best performances on TV. Um, one of my, you know, one of my favorite hero performances ever. He's so weird. He, yeah, he's just so like a weird. yeah, just like a deeply weird like Freudian uh, <laughs> caricature. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how to I don't know how they can beat that because well, especially because the conflict is the same conflict every time. Exactly, mm-hmm. and he is you know they're evolving in in different ways. But I I I rolled my eyes at the season finale because of the way that it it resets in a way that just like sets up new season. Yeah. You know when like. Mm-hmm. That season finale, you're like this. Realistically, this is the episode where like it ends. Either Homelander yeah. kills Earth or Earth kills Homelander. Right, it has to happen. Um, and but then he leaves with his son. You know, like well, it, the son is gonna be a huge yeah, the, part the, of season yeah. four. Yeah, and that's in, that's fun enough. Like the son, uh, you know that that little actor got better as time went on. He's fine. Yeah, whatever. He'll, he'll do fine. Um, Jensen Ackles. I I enjoyed the voice. Yeah, what was he doing? With I his I voice. He strikes me as a guy that they like initially read to play Homelander. Yeah, I literally thought the same exact thing. Whenever whenever we talked about the boys, however many months ago, I was just like, man, this guy seems like he's just one of those guys who's around in yeah. Hollywood who's just taking all of these parts that and constantly getting yeah. passed on in Homelander's mom. Well, I, I like, like oh, that. Let's, let's I like that around. character because, like, every character on this show is like an analog to a, a Marvel or a DC character, and that's He's like, the, yeah, that's like the Captain America. But mm-hmm. y- you know the the whole conceit of that character is like if Captain America actually like got frozen and came back, he would be like, he'd be awful. Yeah. Yeah. He would have 1940s <laughs> politics brain. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And that's, and that's such a genius, like little thing to just throw in. Yeah. It's not even the most important thing. It's just like, this is just who this guy is. And, and that the fact that his, his sidekick, like his Robin, it just becomes like a sad gun guy. The the gun convention is phenomenal. Oh, the gun convention. So good. That's oh, a, that's a yes. real highlight to the season. I totally yeah. forgot about that. That's so good. Yeah. It, it like, it, like I'm saying it explores so many ideas pretty effectively that I can forgive the fact that it is pretty Reddit. <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah no well, i mean jack quaid just in general as a character fucking love jack quaid dude jack he Quaid's was a little shit this, this show, season but mm-hmm. yeah like you have fucking starlight as your person and you are fucking it up at every opportunity that's, well that's what i mean is that it this feels like a show that's trying to go on for 10 seasons where like a lot of shows well I feel apparently like we're people who have to, read the comics would say otherwise Oh. That like with the way the everything that happened this season is setting up the end game. That's at least that's what Dane said and uh, Harry who have read the books say. Well, I just I do wonder because so much and maybe that's just the way that the story is written. But it feels like old school television in a way where it's like, ah, let's really milk these plot threads here. Yeah. And maybe that is just where 
how the comic line goes. Maybe Keep the wheel spinning of, a little bit. It goes until it doesn't. Maybe the show is trying to go past the comics. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what exactly is going to happen here, but hey, I'll watch it there. I mean, Amazon is printing money for it. Yeah. Like they're, they're spending whatever they have to. It logistically, it's going to get harder and harder to corral this cast as they become more famous people, you know, and you're going to have to pay them more and like shoots are going to get tighter. It's going to be, you know, shorter days. Um, so we'll see. There's just natural attrition with shows like this that sort of break a lot of people. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy with like where it's been at. I sort of was expecting to be very disappointed by season three and I wasn't. So the boys is Drew's number six. And that wraps up our 10 through six. Mm-hmm. Um, if we, if I decided to split this into two episodes, <laughs> then this is the end of part one. Thank you for okay. listening. Please tune in to part two for our five through one. Possibly bye. <laughs>